Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Toby. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? In the words of Whitney Houston, I'm feeling emotional, baby. Really? Yeah. So emotional. So emotional. I mean, it's hardly a surprise. You are talking to Rob. To, You're to not Rob an emotional Diamond. person, are you? <laughs> What's going on, Rob? What's going on? Tell us. Well, I'm in. I think I've worked out. I'm in week seven of lockdown, which is slightly longer than other people because Why? I kind of started about a week before everyone. Well, you know, you guys all met up in London. You're always come. ahead of the curve, aren't you? I am. I was ahead of the curve because I was just so scared of it all. But yeah, um, yeah and I think it's got to the point now where being indoors for that amount of time is just sort of driving me a bit crazy yep. and i had a bit of a wobble this week had a few yep. tears mm-hmm. but something saved me i was able to go into the gallery because i only lived like a two minute walk no public transport needed didn't even see anybody and mm-hmm. i went there to receive a delivery of artworks and when we unpacked it all you know i unwrapped all the new paintings by different artists we work with because we're doing this online viewing room next week and just seeing the art and the new art that had just been made kind of brought me back to life. Yes, and yes, yes. It just reminded me why we love art so much because totally. it's, there's just nothing that beats it. You I must know. get it, I guess, when artworks yes. arrive at your house, yeah. like when you're buying. But right things, now, but... there's like a drought of culture. Like all I want to do is go and walk to go to a museum and a gallery and see a new show and go and watch a new movie and go and see a play and you just can't. It's it's and you don't really realize it until you there's nothing accessible that what you're missing and it's the weirdest phenomenon because i i think i thought i was still with art because i'm constantly on instagram you know looking at digital images of art doing the talk art all that stuff but actually nothing beats that physical experience of seeing the artwork and the kind of it just brings me life that's the only way to describe it but also the theme of emotions and interior kind of psychologies as well as exterior psychology links very well to the guests that we have invited on today Mm. you know you could describe them as in, in interiors or even exteriors as in a kind of literal sense as in you know the location of a place Mm. but to me they're much more about the The interior kind of yes exactly Mm -hmm. and that's why they mean so much to me and Mm -hmm. and i am so excited we've never actually met in real life but i did see their paintings in paris internationally the art fair in 2018 alongside Mm -hmm. another talk art guest troy mitchy who makes amazing collages and i saw this incredible with the same gallery they are company, company gallery in america and i remember texting you at the time and saying i really loved both these artists and now yes. we have 
we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Jonathan Linden Chase. Hi, how are y'all? Thanks so much for having me here. And um, yeah, this is like so exciting. <laughs> welcome. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. Where in the world are you, Jonathan? I am home right now in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're based, right? That's where you're from. You grew up and that's where your studio is. And Yeah, I'm from here. I'm a native. Spent all my life here. Was born here. Um, grandma traveled from um, down uh, south up, up north. And yeah, my studio is in Kensington. And this is, yeah, where I'm at. This is my home base. And you studied there as well, right? Yeah. So like uh, after high school, well, I pretty much kind of like knew I wanted to be an artist. So I did uh, two years of community college, which has a really great program here in Philly. And then I did my undergrad at University of the Arts. Um, I majored in painting and drawing. And then um, I did my MFA at uh, the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. Awesome. Did you ever feel the pressure, now you're a massive success and you're, you're growing and growing, do you ever feel the pressure of having to go to a more... Uh, more of a scene like I, I don't know what the art scene is maybe that's patronized in philadelphia but more of a scene like new york where a lot of your contemporaries are working maybe surprisingly or not surprisingly um i'm a bit more quiet and reserved and kind of shy in person mm-hmm. um and in my work as you were kind of um talking about the private and the public um there's like i i give so much in my artwork i try to be as honest and as vulnerable as possible that um i try to keep like sort of a closeness and keep some stuff to myself when I'm kind of in like that sort of public space of like art doers, movers and shakers and stuff like that. Um, It can be a bit overwhelming at times, um, which is why it's one of the reasons why um, I made the the decision to um, stay in Philly. Like all my family's here, my inspiration, so much of my inspiration comes from my hometown. It kind of, you know, gives me like that distance to kind of work and play. And then like the nature of my work is very kind of like solitude centered besides my husband being in a space with me. So it can be overwhelming, but it's like really, really, um, fun and interesting to navigate. It's amazing really how these days it's possible to be an artist anywhere and you can just communicate with the world you know once you send your paintings out there for example you know I I mentioned earlier I saw your works in Paris but I've also seen your work in Miami and like you know New York and different places so it's in a way it doesn't really matter where you are and you know if if you're solid enough in your practice and you know in your home community then it's a brilliant thing to to stay and celebrate that. Absolutely. I agree. You know, like I think being like an artist and there's, you know, like we have like creative um, brains. So if there's a will, there's a there's a way. And I think it's a part <laughs> yeah. of the fun. <laughs> so you were talking about um, honesty being one of the main themes of your work. Always, You want your work to show a complete honest, your complete honesty. Did that take you a long time to get to a place where you would give yourself permission to be completely open about who you are and what makes you up? And is that quite a, a, do you see that as quite a brave concept in your work? I think for me, I'm not sure if I would, um, I think other people have described it as brave. Um, I describe it as like kind of liberating. Um, it it took me some time. I would say, what was it, around like 2010, 11, I was an undergrad. And I was coming from sort of like a very, um, kind of closed idea of like what art could be and I was kind of having um distances between like my interrelational kind of perceptions of myself um so during that time um I had came out of the closet when I was like 16 so this was like 
a long time ago. So I was um, pretty much um, kind of entering like my, my early 20s and still figuring out who I was. And in 2011, um, I was working a lot originally with like kind of a lot of like soft materials and sculpture, like soft sculptures and embroidery. Um, I really love drawing. So like that kind of helped bridge me into the materiality of it, thinking about sensitivity to touch and the bodies like mine um, being vulnerable and soft and gentle. And it took me a while to sort of get to that um that kind of sensitivity and sensory um, in 2011, I kind of had like a second coming out, which helped me kind of get to where I am working today, what really matters to me. Um, my second coming out was I was experiencing lots of like just strange things happening to my body and my perception and like my mood and my emotions. So I went and I was diagnosed bipolar. So that kind of helped unravel like lots of things because my work um, it's very much about like community and um, my friends and my family um, and people out in the world and like the public sphere. But then like sort of like those more intimate moments that are more like, you know, like autobiographical that comes yeah. in with like some of the things that I talk about concerning like um, emotion and um, psychology. So does being bipolar, does that, do you see your artwork as sort of therapeutic as well and, and a process that you can use to sort of deal with mental illness? Absolutely. Like, I wouldn't describe it as, like, religious, right? But more kind of, like, spiritual. Like, mind, body, spirit, that kind of thing. And uh-huh. I think that, like, it... Something that it helps me really kind of, like, stabilize sort of, like, my thinking and my processing. Because some things, you know, like, I'm really, like, an advocate for things like therapy, cognitive therapy, mindfulness, prescription drugs if, you know, needed. I'm really for that. And I think that there's some things that are more, like, abstract and can't quite be, um, you have to approach it in, like, more of a kind of, like, messy kind of way. Kind of Mm -hmm. balancing has always been, like a thing with like me personally just like balancing emotions and thoughts and even like materials in my paintings like going from more linear to more painterly to more kind of sculptural assemblage so it provides i think um for other people a sense of like um healing and seeing like a reflection back at yourself and giving you the space just to like to kind of just like be but what i love about you is that you have on your Instagram, you 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 have like a bipolar like pride. You're very you kind of are quite proud and uh, upfront with this, which is so um, inspiring in so many ways. Because I know that a lot of people might kind of have a uh, a feeling about that where they'd want to hide that or keep that something that isn't present. Yeah, um, I think as we were talking about like honesty, that that's a part of that for me is being right. very honest and vulnerable in that way, and you know. It's like a privilege in having that platform to be um, an artist in the way that I am today. I'm like so internally grateful. And I just remember before, um, in many ways of identity, but for bipolar, like um, seeing someone who was like you representing back and just kind of seeing like one way, not the the way, but just a way that this could um, manifest in, in like mm-hmm. uh, a professional life, um, a personal life. And because people aren't, um, I think now the day that we're living in, like, especially I think because of social media, um, the exchange of like information and thoughts and stuff like that and feelings helps people um, kind of talk about it more 
in the forefront, which is really exciting. Um, so I definitely think it's important for me to talk about it because it is about um, my experience, my lived experience, which is um, like my artist, like my lived experience. And so many other people, um, artists and things, um, they'll have the, you know, I think like the inspiration and the courage that it's okay to like be okay, be not okay, just to kind of be who you are. And um, talking about it openly, I think, is a, a way to like kind of bridge and get like lots of fruitful conversations started. Yeah, definitely. I, I also think with social media now, we are all so much closer than we used to be. And a bit like we were talking about how your art physically travels around the world. I noticed that you reposted um, a quote that a writer from um, who lives in London called Alexander Leon um, wrote. And I just wanted to read it out because I think he's an amazing kind of uh, person who's who's really very succinctly summing a lot of complex issues up. And he's a kind of campaigner and LGBTQ plus activist. He's originally Sri Lankan, but also British. And I think he grew up in um, Australia. Um, and he, he wrote this, this quote that says, queer people don't grow up as ourselves. We grow up playing a version of ourselves that sacrifices authenticity to minimize humiliation and prejudice. The massive task of our adult lives is to unpick which parts of ourselves are truly us and which parts we've created to protect us. And I just loved that that quote. And I was thinking about it in, in, in relation to your paintings and how often I'd seen your paintings and I immediately interpreted them as being kind of maybe like love scenes or romantic, tender, intimate yeah, moments between two, and, yeah, like yeah. gay coupledom. But then I began to think deeper about it and was like, actually, it, could, could it be like one person with, with, with two bodies and you're kind of like projecting this kind of interior world in, mm. and, and, and almost like how we see ourselves. Much spiritual. Um, yeah, kind ways. of, yeah. So yeah. maybe those two figures could actually be one person or something. Mm. Yeah, um, I definitely am very interested in like the way that we perform ourselves and, like, present ourselves in, like, the public sphere. Like, I really mm -hmm. think about, like, spaces in our bodies as um, sites that, like, like, memory is a way of, like, thinking about, like, a stain or, like, a residue or something that kind of stays with you. And when I think about, like, the interior space and, like, the exterior, those spaces are charged with, like, energy and memory and these things that um, kind of are temporal at times. So... Let me see how to explain this. When I think of the body, um, I think about it a lot with having like internal landscapes that I mentioned are like cathartic, mental, physical. And sometimes these things happen at once kind of in a picture plane. Or um, I like to kind of confuse like multiple bodies with one, bodies being entangled together, um, different parts of like our personalities. Like I, I'm really super influenced by like collage um because they're just so multifaceted and i think it's important to talk about like people who have mental illness or black bodies uh queer bodies and the ways that a lot of our histories have really flattened us and erased us so talking about like the multiplicity of our experiences and our bodies both physical spiritual all of these sort of things happening simultaneously or maybe not i think it's important to talk about the complexities of just the human experience and that things aren't exactly um, so cut and dry. Like bodies are messy, like like people are messy and 
and that's okay. I think you said that you, you the the thing about what you're looking into is the fact about the body is that the body sweats, the body shits, the body curses, and it's all about the identity. And that's you want to go into that space and explore that. Yeah, like I think like because like sex, there's like so many sort of projections on it and for especially different kinds of like bodies that are being denied access or being like policed in in these different ways and um sex is something that is like very like natural and you know like down to earth and also really complicated and like gross like i think when we think about beauty in certain instances we for me beauty also in some ways involves like the grotesque or like the like bodily fluids like like shit spit cum um some materials that i use in my work in that way Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's an important to remember that our, our flesh is our flesh and that our, our minds and our emotions are connected to it and to be mindful mm-hmm. of both yeah. of them. Yeah. Well, talking about that, I mean, there's a, there's a, a motif that appears in your work a lot. <laughs> Apart from the erect penis in like a silhouette, you also have the butthole appears uh, all over it. And it feel, and I've, I've, I've got your book here, Quiet Storm, and there's lots of photographs of... Uh, butts from behind. You're definitely a butt person. But that motif of the anus appears all through your work. And also, like, there's a painting I saw the other day of a fire hydrant, and it had, like, the the capper come off the fire hydrant. But knowing your themes, it felt like, again, that was like a butthole with, like, the fluid coming out of it. Yeah. There's elements of, like, some humor in my work. Like mimicking objects or thinking about like our orifices as like sort of tunnels or like sort of like um doorways into like the inner parts of like um our bodies and like our worlds like we're all like worlds and have like our own like sort of uh biosystems and things inside of us and i think about like early notions of like desire or even like porn and stuff like that and mm. i think some of it definitely when you think about like sort of grinder and like these like apps like that when you think about like uh the black queer body and mm. in context to these t- different spaces right like mm. often i think we would see like our bodies as like black like being reduced down to just like a dick or even just for like male presenting bodies like just the anus is a part of the human body it's a part of the male body the male presenting body like Mm -hmm. and i think um it's not just about like the erect dick or like the flaccid dick or just something like that but again like thinking of like the total access and potential of our bodies and kind of um decolonizing and reframing like her thinking like you know like like the quote it's like we've been conditioned to all of this stuff and in the pursuit of decolonizing like ourselves from like these systems and constructs um i think sometimes just looking at our bodies just like not necessarily in a plain way but a direct way can help yeah. us like yeah. digest these things and in, um in interesting ways i guess it's like exploring the boundaries of the body that's what your work is doing yeah yeah, exploring the boundaries of of the bodies and also um, bringing interesting, like, just attention to now in today's society, people are kind of understanding, like, with what privileges. Like, I think, too, like, fat bodies are something that, because I'm, I'm a fat body, um, are something that people um, are really uncomfortable with for various reasons. 
and to sort of talk about those kind of ideas also with the potential of the body, but I guess uh, the beauty as well. It's really important to kind of like mm. disrupt our ideas of European like kind of standards of like yes. beauty. I mean, I noticed I was looking at your Instagram and I I actually got the word emotional that I used in the intro um, from a T-shirt that you were wearing. But there was also a, a, a sweat top that you wear that, that says um, T-H-I-C-K, like thick. And it's a kind of community organization, like a, a social group on Instagram. And I, I found that whole account so liberating and so inspiring just to see you know, people of all different body sizes kind of mm. celebrating their strength and beauty mm. and also photographing themselves and kind of taking back the the, the power or something. Like, it, yeah. I, I, f- I found it incredibly liberating. But that's what these paint. I find the paintings that Jonathan makes are like, they're, they're breaking, uh, like, certain conventions we have of how a body is meant to look. And especially yes. within queer circles, it's like we, we are programmed through porn through uh magazines and like growing up coming out how if you are queer you are meant to look and what the paint what is so fantastic about you and and i'm such a fan is the 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 ability that you have to to break down how we are used or the conventions of what we're told to look at oh thank you so much yeah breaking down these things i think kind of goes back to the honesty and the vulnerability. And then um, also my influences with collage, just seeing how we're all like really made up of all of these sort of like things, like brothers, sisters, teachers, artists, whatever have you. And um, kind of slowing down time. Like I've mentioned time a few times, um, like a temporal space is um, also really interesting to me because a lot of these like things are, I mean, they've been going on like sort of, forever um there's like progress in many different ways but i think that these things are also like just like always of the current time and like um the artists like reflecting them reflecting the times as a nina Mm -hmm. simone said are there particular artists that have inspired you because i've heard you reference like ramari bearden before and also even like a more contemporary photographer dina lawson um for her kind of interior uh, photography but can you speak a bit about influences that you have Francis Bacon one of my other favorites are Gilbert and George me and my husband are kind of like really into them and like their art Um, we saw (laughs) like a great show of theirs in Sweden it was like a major expedition and it was beautiful do you and your husband dress in dress in matching suits like Gilbert and George you feel inspired to live live their life live art like they do (laughs) not suits but uh, we kind of do like um Oh, well, we do have onesies. They're really cute. Yeah. We do lots of <laughs> color coordinating. <laughs> like, kind of like Kimye, we just kind of color coordinate kind of things. Okay, very nice. Awesome. How, how much does um, performance play into your work? And also, I, for, for listeners trying to get a concept of your work now, you've been described as Picasso meets Paris is burning, which when I read that, I was like, yes, that's completely Jonathan's work. But it's... it's and, the, the Paris is burning vibe of it. There's like a performative club scene, the balls, kind of like a, an underground um, movement that runs through like a dance, you're, you're, the energy that goes through your paintings. How how much does performance and are you a good dancer? I am like the worst dancer, right? No. I have like no, oh. 
Maybe if I have a couple of shots, like maybe it'll like be a different story. Well, you wouldn't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> performance for me, when I think about performance, for me, I don't agree with like the respectability politics, but like Dubois, double consciousness, um, thinking about uh, gender trouble um, by Judith Butler. Yeah, in those sort of ways, like um, more of like a public kind of way that we want to present ourselves and um those things to make me think of like sort of like uh like subculture stereotypes like all of these things where there's so much projection and energy mm-hmm. that it's it can be really kind of rewarding in an intimate kind of like plane but then also like uh like I tell my students like when they come back to their studio like there's just so much in the world and so much we're bombarded with that um, the pursuit to try to find like a just stillness, I think is um is is challenging. Yeah, it's challenging just to kind of have like the sort of stillness to kind of take those things out of your head. I guess sort of meditative. It's interesting that idea of stillness because I was looking at a video that you posted the other day and it was of um seahorses. And I really wanted to discuss that with you as a kind of theme. A like the idea of nature and how that has impacted your your paintings, but also um this kind of theme of the seahorse. Because the the video you posted really slowed me down and kind of got me really meditative. And then I started thinking about this kind of male seahorse that's pregnant. Mm. And then, you know, giving birth to all these tiny um, baby seahorses. I got a little bit and, squeamish watching that, if I'm honest. Oh, I think it, I think it was amazing. I, I was totally <laughs> into it. And it, it sent me off on a whole kind of um, route of like searching deeply into the history of seahorses and what it all means. And the really? fact that the male... Mm. Yeah, and this idea of like gender fluidity as well. And, and, and the fact that, that within nature, it already exists. You know, like the male is actually pregnant for a lot of its time. Yeah. And also they're, they're very monogamous um, at, at times, I think, during breeding, they're very monogamous um, creatures. So it's a really interesting thing to kind of look at. But I also just love seahorses. Can you speak a bit about your relationship to nature? Absolutely. I think my relationship to nature is... Well, uh, since I'm a city person, right, like a lot of like my inspiration comes from like concrete, brick, uh, sort of like these weird patches or lots of moments where like you'll see like an urban sort of like um, farm or something like that. Um, yeah. But I also think of like... This, I, I guess maybe it's another quote, but how we say that uh, or think of how uh, homophobia is kind of only present in like the like the human race, right? Like other species don't do that. And in the sea, in the seahorse, you know, coming from like nature, being in like the water is like very kind of like alien to me, kind of like the potential of the body and like kind of breaks the expectation of what you would think of like that sex or gender. Um, animals yeah. are like really yeah. cool. I think like it's like super alien. Um, Seahorse actually appeared on my uh, my timeline because um, uh, for the last like two years, um, I've been doing um, this project. It's a book project with my publisher, Capricious, at company in New York, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the seahorse um, is sort of like a metaphor for one of the characters in my story called The Haunting of the Seahorse. Uh, Haunting of the Seahorse is one of two stories that are dual stories in one book. Um, it's up for pre-order now. <laughs> um, and um, it talks about um, my personal relationship with my body. Um, themes of water are always kind of current and flowing through on my art. But The Seahorse is really about my desire and the limitations of my body because I... I want to, I desire to give birth. Right. And there's sort of 
this demonic entity kind of science fiction. I'm really influenced by it too. And I'm a fan of talking about like those sort of ideas of evil projections and the binary as a demon trying to kind of police and dismantle this couple's uh, life. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So so how is that like writing a book? And also this theme we're touching on now about fluidity. You are uh, non-binary yourself and you publicly came out I guess do you do, can, do you come out as non-binary I guess you do that that was in the last couple of years right yeah I think like blogs like tumblr and it's really great to see so many of my contemporaries coming up in like this language that we're learning about and steady trying to develop I think like we have milestones in like our life right or like points of maybe not pure crystallization but we get to these points where like we just like we're always changing and in flux and I think that that's really important to remember. So um, like sort of like the other facets of my identity, I uh, I talk about being non-binary and also that it's okay to... Sometimes I use the pronoun he, and I think that, you know, when we're thinking about expanding things that we have to not limit them by barriers to, like there's like this openness and like this um, sort of velocity to it that I think cannot be like interrupted by trying to make more... In the pursuit of understanding and our potential, we can't sort of. I I wouldn't say that it's good to try to make it like a like a club, if you will, or like exclusive by like these weird. Oh, you don't. You look like you pass, or you don't pass, or you're using the wrong pronouns. It kind of defeats the purpose of deliberation, and that plays into your work. You you. That's a, a theme as well that plays in. Yeah. So talking about performance again, like I definitely um, like a show I'm working on now, the Fabric Workshop here in Philly. I'm painting lots of like fashion, like Barclay Hendrix and Gehinde Wiley are also influences of mine. Yeah. And they're sporting like 2000s era like fashion. You know, they're cultural mm. signifiers. They're things that, you know, like really um, talk about style and like all of these other things. But are they dressed well? Are they dressed well? Because a lot of, we're talking about fashion there because Nike sneakers turn up a lot and a lot of athletic clothing. These new, new works, are they covering that? And then like couture. Yeah, I mean, not so much couture, but, um, like, the performance of, like, like sports, um, I think it's, like, an indicator of, like, a certain masculinity or brings up certain memories. And they're just sort of from my lived experience. So I just, I wear Nikes, grew up with Nikes. Um, there isn't exactly, like, a political kind of thing to it. Um, this was just sort of, like, my everyday, like... Uh, mm-hmm seeing what I see, people, how they dressed. Wow. So, you, And this whole new theme, what is that? How many paintings are you doing and how are you approaching then the different styles? Do you, do you see like the image of clothing before you're making them? That's a good question. I'll talk about my process a little bit. So when I come into like, everything kind of starts from either like a drawing or like a photograph. My relationship to the photograph as the source material is sometimes found photo. I collage digitally, physically. Um, so sometimes I write poems to things. Um, they're not exactly sort of like um, a hierarchy, but just like the flow of how I get to like a painting. So um, I kind of archive and like I structure everything so that it can still have movement through the practice. So right. with the show right. at Fabric Workshop, um, I did a, a silkscreen um, a print and I'm going to be incorporating that into like the fashion. So I did a lot of researching. Um, the, sh- the, the show is titled Big Wash. So I did lots of research about ironing boards. I found out that um, 
uh, a black woman um, invented that, and there was like some things with dry cleaning. So there's like kind of different sort of things that get me to sort of like um, my images um, from memory a what's lot of the, times. What's the story of the ironing board then? Who invented the ironing board? Oh gosh, you're gonna quiz me. Um, <laughs> so it's invented by a black woman when. Um, Sarah Boone, and uh, between, I think she was alive like 1832 to 1904, um, she was an inventor and dressmaker in the United States. And did she get like the money for it? Did she get the patent and did people respect her enough at that time in history to appreciate what she invented? I think there was like, of course, like a kind of like economical struggle, but I think that she was um, like acknowledged, um, mm-hmm. but kind of just going through like the, the things at that time. Um, it made it difficult, but she was acknowledged for um, wow for it. Wow. But wow, when you I think about that. just like yeah. yeah, like you never like you would never know that, right? It's kind of like no. hitting the history oh. a little bit. Someone should make a film about that or something. It's amazing, yeah. Because there was a film, wasn't there, about someone who like invented a Hoover or something like that? Like they should totally do that film, especially because of like civil rights issues and you know, like it's fascinating. Which is the fact that it's a domestic object and it's. A woman changed that's invented world, it I mean. and yeah, changed the world. Like the simplicity of that. They, I mean, I do a struggle putting my ironing board up and down, so I wouldn't say it was the most perfect invention, but it, it, it was an inc- it's an incredible thing. Well, so you're talking about screen printing. <laughs> yeah, I've got a terrible one. It's old. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But the screen printing thing, so that, that plays into, you're going to use this screen print that you made to play into the fashion of the characters in the new paintings. Yeah, the screen print is like flowers and butterflies and like they're influenced by just like uh, sagging like culture that I think it's like a complex, like kind of like a visual iconic image just like seeing someone sag their pants and the fabric is being kind of transformed into like domestic objects on parts of like the fashion, uh, ironing board windows. So objects that have to do sort of like with fashion cleaning and domestic kind of um, interior kind of things. And also wow. at times uh, camouflage too. And, and are these autobiographical? Because you were talking about a lot of work is memory, like the past, present and future. You can see like ghosts in your work or, and the interior thoughts. But is that, is that a theme? Yeah, I think for me, like, both kind of make their way into the work, but at, like, kind of different frequencies. So, like, a painting might start off with, like, a memory that I had, but through, like, research or as I'm, like, developing, like, a palette or archival information, it just sort of, like, expands um, from that and just kind of, like, morphs into different things. Does it become, like, a fantasy, like, abstracted 
version of your memory? Yeah, at a certain point, like I think like our memories can fail us sometime, depending on how far back or whatever. Um, yeah, so there's like an inventiveness too to it. Yeah. Hmm. Like a fill and, like a filling and, in. And earlier on you were mentioning science fiction. And we spoke recently to a number of artists, Tai Shani, who was um nominated in the UK for the Turner Prize. When she got nominated, we talked with her all about science fiction fiction in relation to, you know, fe- feminist politics. But also we spoke to Toyin O.G. Odatola, and she also um, extensively discussed this idea of science fiction and the impact it's had on her work. So mm. what kind of science fiction's influenced you? Are there certain authors that, that you respect? Um, Samuel Delaney, Octavia Butler, um... Dubois, actually, um, I think he wrote, like, some science fiction, which I found out this year, which was really interesting. I didn't associate that with him, but um, I really love Samuel um, Delaney. He's a Philly resident. I see him sometime. I don't think he knows who I am. I'm just, like, fangirling, like, over his work. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's so many just, like, gay and queer, just, like, nerds and geeks, and just, like, you're kind of, like, Almost like with the with the with the boys, like the straight boys, it's like this like shared common interest. And then like as you start to like dig deeper into this material, like fantasy in terms of like uh, an early anime I used to watch was like like Sailor Moon. And then I come to find out in my more mature life that they've edited so much because there were queer characters in it. And I'm like, Gee. which one was this? What was it called? Say again. Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon? Never heard of that. Yeah, go on. I think you might like it. It's a really it's a really popular anime. Um it's kind of like up there with like um anime like Dragon Ball Z. They've been around since like the 80s. The artwork is like really beautiful. But for Sailor Moon, for example, Japanese um animation manga, in America they 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 edit and they censor they basically erase all of like the queer characters and are flattened out or like left no ambiguous. Way. Yeah. So for me, thinking about science fiction and thinking about Afrofuturism or thinking about um, even like in mainstream like television and stuff like that, like we have like Black Panther. So like you're introducing just like all of this like rich Afrofuturism like content that maybe hasn't had the same platform before because Black people, queer people... Um, it's really important, that representation, because it says a lot about us being present in the future. Far too often science fiction fails at depicting people who aren't straight white men in the future. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you know, it's like crazy. (laughs) Do you feel responsible a bit, uh, Jonathan, with your platform now to show representation? Absolutely. Do you feel like any responsibility now within your, with the platform you have now, the profile you have and the work you're making, do you suddenly have, feel like a pressure or responsibility now to show diversity, to show what you're showing? I definitely feel like I have a responsibility. In terms of pressure, uh, it comes natural in a sort of way, but I do feel like a great responsibility because if there's a change or something you want to see in the world, if you can do it, then do it and I can do it. I'm trying to do it. So yeah, it, it's there's like just so many there's people with similar stories to to all of us to me. So yeah. like that yeah. like that empathy that I try to like um share, um, mm. that's important to me. Like that that empathic sort of like um bridging. Have you had people reach out to you and, and connect with you through the work that uh, have been affected by it in the way that you're you're affected by your own work oh yeah yeah um like within like the last like three years like it's just been such like an honor and like a blessing like i'll just have people hey i love your work or like you helped me see myself in a different way i love how you do like um 
everyday people. This person looks like me. Like, just, like, people saying, like, how they feel seen, right? Really, like, kind of gets you emotional. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, we're cool. yeah. doing this crazy thing, making art, and, like, it's impacting people on, like, these super, super, like, um, intimate levels. Yeah, totally. It's like it's like deep in the core of people, I think. It's like, I, I definitely have that that response to your work. Like when I see your paintings, mm-hmm. I, so it's, it's like being punched in the stomach or something in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's definitely within the core, I think. It's, and I was thinking a lot about also, but the musicality of your work. And, and I, it got me thinking when you mentioned Afrofuturism um, about how music artists, if you think of like Outkast, Janelle Monet, um, and then awesome. Sun Ra historically, like, like, you know, all these artists who have kind of looked at Afrofuturism from a musical perspective and sort of within their visuals and all of that side of things. Do you feel um, that music is, is a big kind of influence in, 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 in what you do? Because I've seen like musical instruments, you know, feature as themes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, my husband is very much into like, like music, sound art. We've collaborated a few times. He would provide uh, sound. I really, really love like Missy Elliott. Like, like yes. all of like the '90s, like hip hop. Her clothing—that's I can see her clothes now in your characters. Yeah, exactly. Like you see what I mean? Like just like her style and like the composition of like the spaces that she's in, and uh, like Busta Rhymes um, and Ludacris. Like they play with like the uncanny scale and just like the way that their music is just so. Um, it has like it's like a consistency, but the way that they're able to just like dip and dive with the way that they just kind of switch it up, this seems like so yeah. futuristic yeah. to me. The sound of it, and also I think Missy was someone that really sort of claimed streetwear and kind of made it yes. her own and mm-hmm. took it out of a kind of traditional sports masculine um, aesthetic somehow and kind of turned it into a new thing, which was so yes. inspiring as a queer person to just see that, this kind of powerful woman like in that giant, you know, like puffer jacket or whatever. I loved that yeah, video. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, God. Same, same. Like contemporary, like I think um, there's like Lizzo and like I live for her. I'm like, yes, like twerk with her fucking flute. Oh Unapologetic, yes. Yes. and I think yes. Missy. It's a part of like the genealogy, right? And um, yeah, this like being like a young gay and like seeing like this like butch, femme, fat black woman dropping bars. I'm like, who the hell is she? <laughs> like, who's doing yes. that? It's like fantastic. Yes. <laughs> and again, I think there's something in those musical artists who do take the everyday and they make it extraordinary. And that's definitely something I would describe your work as doing, you know, turning the everyday into something way more extraordinary, if you know what I mean. Because it is extraordinary. We are all extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. Like we're all we're all very extraordinary, and I think um, there's extraordinary things to find just every single day. If like you just see a little twinkle. One thing about Missy's um, videos that I really love too, like um, I can't stand in the rain. There's a yes. level of sort of anxiety or dystopia. Yes, it's futuristic, isn't it? You're right, sci-fi. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes they're more, like, fun and, like, kind of raunchy. And then sometimes they're very, like, kind of heavy and dystopian. And I and I think when we talk about honesty, that means positive and negative emotions. So at times, um, my compositions or spaces can be kind of abstract in a way that you kind of really aren't sure where they're at. 
are like these moments of weirdness that for me um, kind of talks about anxiety or maybe um, like anguish along with like joy and celebration. They have a tenderness to them, but then they have like a roughness in parallel. Yeah, I think think that was like um, describing like the punch in the stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they are kind of like on the edge of love and then the edge of violence. There's like... You don't. You feel like there's th- the characters could be threatening, or they're cruising each other, or they're accepting of this kind of energy between each other, like aggressive flirting. Yeah, eye contact. I think is like a super like. After people still constantly talk through eye contact, and it's kind of like a like a three or two second kind of go around before like the other person kind of frowns, and you're like, okay, this is not like a good conversation. It's like one of the first ways that we like kind of say hello to each other. I was also thinking a lot about um, the way people kind of like can be uh, violent in their own mind to themselves. So like you're the kind of like telling yourself off for not being productive enough or, you know, beating yourself up for not being thin enough or all of that kind of dialogue. Sabotaging as well because yourself. It, every, yeah. yeah, and kind of sabotaging. All, all those kind of negative things that we can do to ourselves. Like I, I, I began thinking about weirdly by looking at your paintings, which was why I was talking about that idea of the numerous figures perhaps just being one person. And I think Francis Bacon's work had that element to it as well. Yes. You know, this kind of the idea of the mind and the projection. The psyche, and, yes. Oh, it's so complicated. And yes. yeah, and it's really difficult to unravel that, you know. But I've been thinking a lot about that since being in lockdown, actually. And your paintings have brought me a lot of kind of comfort. Oh, thank you so much. That makes me feel really, um, that makes me smile to hear you say that. I think that like, um, like mentioning like Bacon um, and sort of like his visceral uh, approach at like flesh and the psyche. Um, for me, um, I have like, Rules against, um, or rules for the way that um, I'm trying to talk about just being like th- those emotions and feelings that are harder to grapple with, beating up yourself kind of thing. I think it's important. I try to like let them be seen without judgment, just like like so that the person can have that um, empathic kind of connection. Um, but at the same time, like I just like to play with like these opposites kind of banging into each other or crisscrossing kind of blurring so like the body like might be another person might be a person arguing with their cell phone like their interior astral plane and things like that so let's talk about the process of your painting so uh, your work you were saying earlier on is is kind of rooted in drawing and collage and that's how you start in photography like the collage elements and then you build on top of that and make these paintings how how long do they normally take and do you plan these out or are they quite improvised as you're going along? Some are improvised, like a lot are improvised. Some are planned out from the beginning. Like if I'm writing a poetry um, and then I'm like, this would be like a super great visual thing where I can respond to my work by making other work, like a painting to like the poem. I can paint very, very fast. I think the medium of painting allows for my speed. So something like how we were talking about um, my comfort and what it provides me. So for some people who don't know this briefly, bipolar, extreme mood states, um, lows of depression, which can come as a crash after a high of mania, euphoric energy. Um, Sometimes you don't sleep and stuff like that. So these things help me with the speed to kind of like nurse that and find out stuff while drawing kind of um is is it like it's it's slower so the paintings can really just like 
take like a day, a week. I'm like constantly just kind of like making things. Okay, so there's no sort of like you don't, when you start, you don't really know how long it's going to take you. You just know when it's finished. How do you know when it's finished? (laughs) That's a good question. You kind of just feel it. Like if you just get this sense of like, I don't like to say like you're closing down a painting, but it's getting to the point that, like I told my students, you can... You can aim for saying everything in a painting, but once, like, there's a certain point that it's like, okay, well, I'm going to say this and that, and they can extend into different um, kind of works. Talking about teaching, how important has that been to you? Oh, it's been, like, great. Like, I try to do things that, like, scare the shit out of me. Um, My talking about (laughs) art is, like, something I'm really (laughs) anxious about. Uh It's been really important to me in that way. And um, I remember, like, in grad school, because I was in college from like 2007 all up to grad school um, 2016. So the first black artist or kind of teacher or professor I had like in person was at PAFA. Um, so sort of nearing the end of my education, um, Abigail um, DeVille and um, Jennifer Packard, so terrific. She was just so supportive to both of them and really did a lot for me. Just like our really intimate talks, just the experience of being like, a black body, a, a gay person, a queer person, and like a space that is like the canon of it is so a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for any type of student, um, uh, those things are important at different levels. But I think like to be seen in that way, there's a lot of work to be done in institutions in that way. So I think it's important for me to like to be there. You know. So you're talking about um, Philadelphia uh, being your native city and you having a lot of your work based in Philadelphia. There was a work that I heard that you're like a, se- a sequence you're working on where you're painting a scene every uh, stop on the uh, Pennsylvania Broad Street line where every subway station you're creating a scene. I think there's 22. Oh, yeah. Um, They're kind of, there's, there's eight paintings that are double-sided. So... The stops and like the sort of energies of that are um, within the eight paintings, but there are like twenty something stops though. <laughs> and this is something you're working through now, or have you completed that? This one is completed. I was painting this uh, last year, and transportation is like a theme in my work because I yes. think like a part yes. of deliberation is being able to access travel, and. Um, a lot of just like really great fun memories, just coming home from the club, like just hanging out with friends. Um, the train is just like this really interesting compound space of all kinds of people and noises and like just styles. Um, and Philly's also kind of like dangerous in a murder mystery kind of way. <laughs> is it? Wow. Well, like Jessica Fletcher sort of way or like a, a, a clue sort of way, Cluedo way. Um, I would like to say Clue, but more kind of like maybe American Horror Story. So if you if you if you're taking inspiration from uh, from like travel and everything, how are you finding the lockdown now? Has that affected your work and obviously like your your mental health as well at the moment? How has that played into the current climate and the way that you're creating work now? It's like I just like I miss. I work from photographs, but I miss my friends so so much. Like the photograph and the image does provide me with things, but just being around people, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just not the same. Um, like, uh, Philly, um, there's still people, like, kind of, like, out and about, um, but then it's also this very strange sort of wasteland, landy, 
Like people aren't where they normally would be populated. Like I'm so grateful that I can still access my studio um, 20 minutes away from my house. And the building is like, you know, um, people who are working in groups have found other ways. And I'm in a studio by myself. So I'm very fortunate to have that to still go to. But I'm just missing my friends and extended family. It's mm-hmm. hard. But you're locked down with your husband, who's also your studio manager, right? Yeah. So we're here together. And um, mental health-wise, um, try to take like walks, mindful meditation. Um, my art provides that for me as well. And I think like being inside so much is something that artists do in a way. But I think mm-hmm. it also is a reminder that you have to get out into the world. Yes. True that. Well, Jonathan, we ask every guest a number of questions. And the first one is, if you could do an imaginary art heist and take home any work from anywhere, and it could be any scale, sculpture, painting, video, performance, anything you want that you could take, what what artwork would you choose? Oh, my God, this is a toughie. I would say, like, anything by, like, John Edmonds, who is my friend, because, like, I'm trying to get one of his, like, photos, and it's, like, taking really long, and I want it so bad. He's with Company Gallery as well, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Love that. That's brilliant, because it's so contemporary as well. That's fantastic. Surely you can do an art trade. We're trying to figure it out. You would think it would be simple, right? But it's proving to be um, more complicated. (laughs) But in, like, a good way. It's just, like, it's just, um, we're trying to figure out, like, what we want from each other. Well, maybe mentioning it here will, like, help realize it. You know, sometimes if you say something, if you say something, it will come real. Put it out there. So the other question we ask is, what is your favorite color? Really? I've been into violet recently, but my favorite color is black. Right. Why is that? For me, like on my body, like adorning myself with it makes me feel very like safe, confident. I think it goes good with any color. I like how it does like kind of capture like stains. I think it looks pretty cool. And I think it's a color that's just like so like just I just think it's a complicated color within itself and a color that's like very comforting and beautiful um uh my bedroom is painted black <laughs> really um, yeah it's like really my favorite color <laughs> wow. and don't, don't you paint your nails black as well I, i've noticed in some photos of your paint palette you you often have painted nails but i've got a feeling they were black yeah like i'm like i'm always covered like in paint like my husband's like, you can't come inside the fucking house unless, like, you take off your clothes because, like, I get painted on everything. <laughs> painted nails, the cat's painted, like. <laughs> oh, my God. And you were talking about adorning your body, like, in, in the uh, black clothing, but you've also got a lot of tattoos, I've noticed, in a lot of images. And I love your floral I, tattoos. Oh I God. love them, but they, they, all, they all seem to resemble your work. They all seem to be designed by you from the, the characters that play into your pieces. Yeah, um, some of them are, um, like, they're all, like, milestones for me. Like, some from, like, um, shows I did or paintings that were successfully done, being married. Um, some of them are, like, drawings from, like, my my practice. And my cousin, who's an artist, um, a tattoo artist, he lives in North Carolina. He did some of them. And then um, there's a really great shop in my neighborhood, Alani Tattoos. And um, my uh, person there did, like, um, my butterfly on my neck, my mom's name on the left of my neck, and 
Uh, my grandma's name on the right side of my neck. You're amazing. I know. Can you just talk about the theme of the roses and flowers that come through your work a lot? What does that mean to you? Because I love, they seem like offerings. And they're never really, they're sometimes in bunches, but they're very singular and they kind of go through your work. For me, they're um, kind of mimic like lips and like assholes, like soft, but also very delicate. Mm-hmm. And I love roses because they smell good. I grew up with them. My grandma used to like plant them. Um, I think they're like really romantic and then also like dangerous because of their thorns. So they're not completely like, like you're going to like pluck my beauty, but you have to watch out for like the thorns. Um, yeah. I just think that they're a really romantic, but kind of morbid flower. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I really like the the flower that it looks like a flower, but it's actually like a fan, like an air fan, you know, blowing air on your face in a painting you did called Them Sitting at the Table 2018. Ah, oh, that's one of my favorite paintings. <laughs> How come? I don't exactly do direct self-portraits of myself, but that one really kind of feels like me in a lot of ways, like being sitting at a table with domestic space, a relaxed body. I really love relaxed bodies. Do you find it hard to sell work? Do you find it hard to let them go? Are you quite connected to all of your paintings? I'm very, very much find it hard, but more recently easier because I have a beautiful support system. So it just helps the feeling of letting go of like one of my babies um, a little bit more gentler. So we've been asking anyone else's other question, which is, have you discovered uh, a hidden lockdown talent, something you didn't know you had, but since we've been in quarantine, you've discovered about yourself? I can tie a cherry stem with my mouth. You can Seriously? do what? He can tie a cherry stem with his mouth. That is a I don't skill. know what that means. What's a cherry you stem? You know, a cherry. If you, have you ever had the fruit, a cherry, Russell? Oh, yeah, right. Have what you ever you eaten fruit to? before, Russell? Yes, I have eaten fruit. <laughs> I eat a lot of fruit. What? I love a banana. <laughs> well, tell me about the cherry. How do you tie the cherry stem to what? Another cherry stem? No, using his tongue. You, you, you tie it, you know, with a knot. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. It's like a very rare skill. It's <laughs> <Wait, laughs> so rare. What do you mean? Oh, my God. Russell, you're so innocent. So what do you talk, you make a knot in a cherry stem? Yeah. But with your mouth, it's like lots of teeth and and tongue that you have to like turn it around and like tie it like a knot. <laughs> it's is, like one of those is, incredible skills in life that everyone that you only get try, when you realize everyone, you've been in quarantine. Yeah. No, but not not everyone can do it either. It's a bit like, you know, some people can't like twist their tongue. Like mm. if you make that well, shape. Well, can you with your do it, tongue. Rob? Can you tie a cherry stem? That is for me to know and for for no one to find the out. The world to find out. <laughs> you know, Jonathan, you know me and you have something in common? Why? Oh, the cherry stem. No, I can't do that. I have no idea what that is and I don't think I'll ever try. But we are both Scorpios. Uh, excuse ah. me, why am I not in this? I'm a Scorpio. Oh, yeah, are you a Scorpio? Oh, my God, we're Russell, a trio. you know I am. It's a whole thing. Like, <laughs> I'm the I'm best really, Scorpio exactly. So, actually, Jonathan, we all have something in common. Yeah, we, we all have something Scorpios. in common. We're all Scorpios. I love it. Yes. <laughs> what what for you? Because Scorpio comes up a lot. What for you is the trait of a scorpion? The most obvious one after we're just talking about tying cherry stems is like being really sexually like comfortable or liberated. And then yes. I think after that, it's like just being like hella like moody and emotional. <laughs> you know, I, 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 worked with a, I worked with a producer when I was about... 
at 19, um, I used to make mm. music and he was called Youth and he was in a band called Killing Joke. And he, when he first met me, he said, what star sign are you? And I said I was a Scorpio and he just looked at me and he went, uh-oh, sex and death. <laughs> and I was just like terrified. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is this? So yeah, sex and death, that's what it's all about. It's like so wild. I'm like, what? I'm like, you don't know my life. Like, I'm not about sex and death. And then I have to like take another look and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> sex and death. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, well, you've been the dream, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining Talk Art. Thank you, Jonathan. And also, I meant to say earlier, in that, in that portrait of you, them's sitting at the table, I love the image of the cat on the uh, plant pot like flower pot or whatever um there's like a little cat or tiger or something because i noticed that you often carry a cat in your arms yes i love i have three cats and i have like three outside cats too but yeah we're gonna <laughs> yeah don't tell my husband i still feed the cats outside i'm a crazy cat lady <laughs> what are your, no, what are your cats what are your cats called um the oldest is fuzzy um she's a girl um our uh-huh. middle child is named winter uh, he's our newest addition, Rescue Kitty. And then Aww. our baby is named Autumn. Oh. <laughs> and have you named the outdoor cats? I'm not supposed to because I'll get too attached. Right. Uh. Yeah. I'm sure you I'm sure you have, but you can't you can't admit it because you put it out there in the world. Exactly. See, like you know because you're a Scorpio, right? Like you know yeah. what's up. <laughs> I know what's up. <laughs> so if you want to see images of Jonathan's cats, you can also see them on his Instagram. What is your Instagram? Is it at Jonathan Linden Chase? Yes. Okay, cool. So follow at Jonathan Linden Chase, and you can also follow Company Gallery, who represent Jonathan's work. Yes, and thank then you, Sophie, for images and everyone at Company of for today. All artworks we discussed in today's episode, you can visit our Instagram at TalkArt, and we'll be back very soon. Thank you, Jonathan. This has been such a total privilege and joy, and you've brought light into lockdown. So thank you for that. Thank y'all so much. Sending y'all lots of love. <laughs> back very Thanks. soon. Thanks. All right. See you. Bye. 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 You've been listening to. Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.